welcome to the Weather of the Mind podcast. I'm your host, Doug Krish. Good day to you. Hey, it's a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday and I'm producing a podcast. It almost seems like old times before Corona. Old times before Corona. This episode is called The Present Moment Sucks. And it's kind of an early rumination of an essay I'm working on which is sort of a criticism of this very new age belief that the present moment is everything. The present moment is all that exists. The future and the past are illusions. If you root yourself in the present moment, everything will be bliss. And I've always had trouble with this, and I'm starting to really understand why. So I hope to talk about this a bit today. And I think this episode really builds off of last episode, which was called 2020 as forest fire. And this is a metaphorical forest fire, no disrespect to the Australians who experienced literal forest fire. Yes, that was earlier this year in in January, I believe, maybe December. But this is talking about the metaphor of the forest fire. And the metaphor of the forest fire is key because it is about large-scale chaos. Large-scale chaos. Levels and levels and levels of change, of unpredictable change. And when we have those periods of large-scale chaos like we do in 2020, there are a lot of positives that come out of it and a lot of negatives that come out of it. So that was the idea with that forest fire episode. Now, a lot of people on my email list didn't get that email or went in their promotions folder. I'm doing my best to make these emails simple and have them reach everyone. But if they're not reaching you properly, you could always subscribe over iTunes or Spotify or just check in on the website, weatherofthemind.org. And if you need to get an email from me, want to get those weekly or almost weekly emails, just drop a line on the website. We'll add you to the list. So the forest fire last week was about perspective, was about framing, right? If we have this, if you have this time and place, this 2020, with all this stuff, with all this stuff going on, how do we frame that? How do we, how do we look at that? Because framing and perspective is something that we have some control over. If the world is chaotic and out of control, and the future is anxiety-inducing because we don't know what changes will occur, we do still have some say, and this is why people often refer to uh, uh, Viktor Frankl's A Man's Search for Meaning as one of the most meaningful books for them because Viktor Frankl was a psychotherapist in the concentration camps. And he really talked about how even in the most dire of situations, we still have some ownership. We still have some control over how we want to react to the world. So, but today we're talking about, we're talking about the present moment, the present moment sucks. <laughs> Again, I'm kind of tongue-in-cheek, the present moment sucks. Because maybe the present moment is great for you, but it's definitely been tough for a lot of us. It's inherent, it's inherent, chaos. We don't, we don't do well in chaos. We don't do well in chaos. We got to be as mobile as possible, as loose, as flexible, as adaptive. But what I wanted to bring in today was a few things I found in the news recently that, that are basically looking to the future and looking to the past 
to sort of balance out the present moment. I think that's my biggest criticism of the present moment is it's the focus the present moment is, is everything is I don't really believe that for a number of reasons. When they say the past is and the future is an illusion, I don't accept that. I have troubles with that. For me, the present moment is is part of a lattice, is, is part of a web, is part of a network, is part of something larger than the present moment that connects to the past and that connects to the future. I like to use the metaphor, the image of the great chain of human history or even just the great chain of history beyond humans, right? So the present moment is not this floating little piece where I like look at a butterfly and I feel happy and everything's peaceful. No, the present moment is absolutely connected to the past and the future. And we're at a time and a place where we're examining a lot of the past in terms of oh, the reflection on statues and our history. So it's an apt time to reflect on what values there are in the past. Because for me, the past remains immensely valuable. This week I'm reading Francis Bacon and he is a philosopher, one of the fathers of an inductive logic in, in, in how he approached the sciences. And he was an Englishman in the late 1500s, early 1600s, Francis Bacon. And his philosophies, his chapters, his essays on life, completely accessible and completely uh, relatable to, to our times. Like I'm looking at these chapter titles of some of these essays. Let's see what we got here from Francis Bacon. He's talking about of travel, of riches, of youth and age, of revenge, of marriage and single life, of envy. So like really accessible, important topics. Let's see what he says of riches. Sometimes it's a little bit slow and you got to take your time with it, but that's, but it's still digestible. He says of riches, he starts off, I cannot call riches better than the baggage of virtue. The Roman word is better, impedimenta. For as the baggage is to an army, so is riches to virtue. It cannot be spared nor left behind, but it hindereth the march. Yea, and the care of it sometimes loseth and disturbeth the victory. Of great riches there is no real use, except it be in the distribution. The rest is but conceit. Okay, so you get the idea. This guy's writing 400 years ago with great insight. When I was spending time with some Romans, the Stoics, I mean, this stuff is on point. So we got to... We got to dig into this wealth of the past and and let it let it let it help us carry through these tough times. I came across um, there was a, a pretty good op-ed by uh, Nicholas Kristof on July sixteenth, two thousand twenty, in the New York Times, and I really like the last paragraph because he quoted Cory Booker, Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey, talking about. Well, let me just read a quote from that he ends his essay with. Quote, this is Cory Booker speaking, Hope right now in America is bloodied and battered, but this is the kind of hope that is successful. It's hope that has lost its naivety. And then Christoph goes on to write, Besieged as we are by plague and crises, a dollop of this calloused hope, quote-unquote calloused hope, as Booker calls it, offers an incentive to persevere. If in the depths of the Great Depression we could claw a path out and forge a better country, calloused hope can guide us once more to a better place. 
calloused hope. Those callous, callous refers to the past. Calloused, something we've endured and learned, calloused hope. But hope refers to the future. So for me, the wisdom, and there is a lot of wisdom in this quote, hope right now in America is bloodied and battered, but this is the kind of hope that is successful. It's hope that has lost its naivety. Cory Booker, nailing it. Calloused hope, calloused hope, a hope that is, hope inherently is not present moment. It, it, well, it could be exist in the present moment, but it is inherently looking towards the future. Hope inherently ponders and considers and dreams and visions. These are very important things to do in, in this present moment. To look forward, but also to look back on what is past. Another thing I wanted to share with you was an interview with Rick Steves, the travel guru. And this actually came out on May 8th, 2020. And this is on the Daily podcast, uh, New York Times, The Daily. So I'm going to just read a little bit from that transcript, if I can find it. Ah, here we go. And basically, he was, he was, ask, uh, he was being asked by the interviewer, the Rick Steves, first of all, he talks about that he never cooked in his life. And now that he's stopping, now that he's not traveling, he's learning how to cook. And for him, it's like a new world. Uh, a new world has opened up to him. So it's always good to see that. I do think cooking has that ability to connect you to so many other species, so many other living species, and their vivacity, their life essence, their texture, their smells how to cook them. So cooking is, is certainly one of those infinite places. The interviewer, Sam Anderson, says, I think one of the great pleasures that you provide people all the time is the fun of traveling vicariously. And I remember people telling me that you often get letters from prisoners saying that even in prison, people watch your show and feel like they're out in the world. And so I wonder if that aspect of your teaching is even more powerful now, if you've heard anything from people about that. And then Rick Steves responds, I actually have, because one of my themes lately is, this virus can stop our travel plans, but it cannot stop our travel dreams. Let me repeat for emphasis. The virus can stop our travel plans, but it cannot stop our travel dreams. And he goes on, we're not in business to make money right now. Our mission is to keep people's travel dreams alive and give people something positive. What is the role of reading and imagination in the present moment? A sort of uh, benign escape, uh, imagination. But more importantly, he's talking about even though we can't maybe iron out our exact plans, we can still set loose plans. We could have visions. We could have long-term plans and dreams for the future. And maybe in this time of, dep of social depravity or economic or physical hardship, this forced pause, this forced retreat, we have this opportunity to really see with clarity what we actually care about. That's the ultimate goal of going on retreats where you quiet yourselves down. I love this anecdote, and I, I probably shared it before, but I'll share it again. And that is, I have a few friends who went on a four-day vision quest style retreat where they were dropped in the woods by themselves and a circle was drawn around them in the woods. And they had to stay there for four days. And every day someone would come by 
Not talk to them, but just make sure they're okay and drop off a gallon of water. And when I talk to these guys after this, this four days, they say they did a lot of singing and a lot of dancing. That was one thing that was very common. But the other thing is, is that they realized how much of their disagreements with other people were really just disagreements with themselves. That they'd still have these up and downs. They'd still have these periods of anger and joy. But instead of connecting it with whoever was surrounding them, they really they, they realized that it's, it's our connection to ourselves, our connection to the world. Just to see those ebbs and flows, to see the weather of the mind in that setting was very insightful. So, yes, we're on some sort of forced retreat, but there is great value. There is great value. Another thing I wanted to, two more things I'm going to share with you today. And one is on July 20th, also the New York Times Daily, the New York Times podcast called The Daily, they interviewed editorial board member Brent Staples about the life of John Lewis. John Lewis, who just passed, rest in peace, civil rights activist and uh, longtime congressman. This episode was quite insightful. It's for me, again, we're looking past. This guy has passed, right? But when you reflect on his story and his legacy and his devotion to a cause, these guys and gals, these freedom riders, risked their lives for civil rights action in the 50s and 60s. And then he pursued a life that was devoted to nonviolence. Nonviolence gets associated with Martin Luther King, but there's a wide movement of nonviolence. And one of the most insightful things in this interview is when they explain nonviolence as a life philosophy. Nonviolence is not just a strategy, but it is a, it is a philosophy. And it's a philosophy that is, is really deeply rooted in compassion, in, in forging a connection between apparent vastly different people befriending your enemy, loving your enemy. And one of the things they do is to practice loving their enemies. They picture your enemy as a young child, a three-year-old and as a four-year-old. And it's really tough to hate a three and four-year-old. It's really hard not to see their their shared humanity, their shared joys and fears. So certainly worth checking out that meditation on John Lewis. And that's on July 20th, the daily podcast. Finally, it looks like sports are starting up. I am surprised. It seems there's a lot of logistical challenges. I came across a great article in the New York Magazine came out yesterday, July 21st, 2020. The article is called, Can Baseball Really Pull This Off by Will Leitch? And that was in the New York Magazine. And the final paragraph is really potent and a, and a hat tip to my buddy Joe Gladdy for really pointing out how, how much punch there is in this last few sentences. Here it goes. We will have gone from no sports in the United States to a flood of them at the exact moment the pandemic is raging like never before. How is it going to work out? No one has any idea. It may be glorious, it may be a disaster, but it will be, as always, uniquely American. 
all in, plunging forward, hoping for the best, trying to sneak in what you can while you can. And it will be absolutely riveting to watch. So there we have it, a whole slew of reflections on past, present, and future. Let me know what you think. Please defend the present moment. Help provide insight. I mean, I get the point. The problem is this, is that when people say the present moment is great and the past and the future is, is, is nasty or should be forgotten, I just think it's inherently dangerous and ungrounding. And, they, and people say, well, the past, if you think of the past, it's all these regrets. And obviously, if you dwell in regret all day, you're going to be miserable. Oh, the future, it's, it's full of anxieties and worries. And again, if you, if, you, if you worry or stress about the future constantly, that's not healthy either. But I, I also think that if we're in the present moment, it's, it's very helpful to connect to the, the positive aspects of the future and the past. To reflect on a life of John Lewis, uh, a devoted modern human who lived a noble life, that is tremendously valuable. To understand history, to understand what Francis Bacon was saying in the 1620s and how that relates exactly to where we're at today as humans. Talk or read the Stoics from almost 2,000 years ago. So what do you think? What do you think about your past and your future? What do you think about society's past and society's future? How much of your time do you spend in the past? When you look at your time that you think about the past, how much it is, is pleasant memories or study of the past? How much of it is really regret? For me, I love the past and I don't regret very much at all. Um, to be totally honest, I... I see myself, I was doing the best I could at the time, and all I can do is keep on growing and doing the best I can today and next week. That's kind of my, my philosophy. And future, I mean, hopes and dreams, just like Rick Steve says, we can't make maybe plans for this fall or this winter, but we can, we can have dreams. We can have visions, and maybe, maybe those are not as clear. Maybe those are a little bit more of an abstract painting but maybe there's a value in that sort of approach. Well, what do you get when you think of the future? Is it all anxiety or worry? Can, can we find some time to have some positive dreaming? But let's remember that calloused, that calloused optimism that Cory Booker mentioned. I really like that, that calloused. Maybe I'll change the name of this podcast to calloused, calloused. Calloused optimism. Calloused hope. Calloused hope. A dollop of this calloused hope. Calloused hope referring to the past and the future. Those old calluses and hope. Well, I hope you're remembering to keep hydrated. Getting your sleep. Doing your best to eat healthy. But still once in a while say, you know what, I'm going to eat some junk food and just have a little party. So keeping our balance, thinking about the future and the past, trying to just keep upright and move forward. And, uh, you know, honestly, take this year one week at a time. We got to keep ourselves healthy. So rely on those foundations. Think about the exercise. Think about, think about making plans. Just making plans to meet a friend or two in a few days 
it's something it's a small hope let's let's plant these small hopes in our week to week that kind of keep us moving forward and when we look back at the past let's let's try to have compassion human life is difficult human civilization is difficult it's a process it's the great chain we got to just keep on keep on studying keep on learning but to neglect the past is is dangerous all right folks living and learning one week at a time drop me a line keep me posted check out the links to those articles and podcasts in the show notes at weatherofthemind.org Please, if this show is of value, if you can share it with your friends and family, that's of great value to me. I wish you the best. Much love. Bye-bye.